Evening, everyone. Thank you. It's great to see all of you here tonight. So glad that you could join us tonight on campus for our Wednesday night Bible study. And for those of you that are joining us via Facebook and live stream, we'd like to say welcome to you as well. Just a couple of announcements uh, before Pastor comes this evening. First of all, we want to uh, mention again that this coming Sunday the 7th, we will be having a communion in our 11 a.m. service. So please keep that in mind. And then lastly, uh, we want to remind you about uh, Mission Louisiana pledges, uh, things that are going directly uh, to um, expand things and improve things at the campground. There has been a category set up in Easy Tithe for Mission Louisiana for the, any pledges that you have made. So just want to make sure that you're aware of that. And you can always stay updated with what's going on here at Grace Church by uh, downloading our church app if you haven't already done that. Or you can go to our church website and click on that events tab and you'll know what's going on. How's 2024 going for you? I hope it's going great. I really do. Three days in, I hope nothing's gone too awry for you. hope those resolutions are holding strong for those of you that made them. But uh, it's, it's a good time to know Jesus. Amen. God bless you this evening as pastor comes. Good evening, folks. Great to see all of you here tonight. And uh, thank you for coming out on Wednesday night for Bible study, and uh, very glad to see all of you here, and to our uh, guests that are here tonight, welcome. We're so glad to have you here with us tonight as well, and um, I'm excited about Bible study tonight. I'm excited to about the uh, presentation that we'll be making here momentarily, but before we jump into that, I'd like to remind all of our adult Sunday school class people that we will be in the Alexander, Alexander Center next door starting this coming Sunday. And uh, so all of you remember that. And um, I know that our, our young people and people are scattered out uh, in different places in the building right now. But um, for those of you that are in here from between the ages of 18 to 25, you need to keep your ears open during church in the next few services. You may hear something, you may hear something that's applicable to you, and uh, we'll let you know what it is when it gets a little bit closer. I love doing this. This is one of my most fun things to do at church, is uh, don't even go ask Sister Landry, she don't even know. Uh, she's in the dark, so... There's only me and someone else is privy to this important information pertaining to our 18 through 25-year-olds. So just keep your, your ears peeled. Uh, I've uh, been asked to do something here tonight that I'm going to probably regret. But um, I understand there's somebody here. We very rarely do this, and I just want to have a little bit of fun right now. Somebody here, I think, is having a birthday. I think they're sitting over here on this side, kind of towards the back. I think it's a female. Um, am I close so far? Uh, I don't want to, don't really want to call her name, but, but there you, thank you. Thank you. There you go. So whoever said that, thank you for that. 
and I took all took the monkey completely off of my back. So I had nothing to do with that, Peyton. Because I just want you to know, I had nothing to do. With it. I didn't call no names or nothing. So uh, before we get into our presentation tonight, there's several things that I want to say uh, before I get into my notes tonight. Um, I read a statement this uh, today, this afternoon, that has really resonated to me. Tonight I want to talk to you about vision. Um, and I want to be very direct and very uh, specific with it. Um, sometimes people struggle with success in, in the different areas of life. Sometimes people struggle with marriage. Sometimes people struggle with parenting. Uh, sometimes people struggle with their job. Uh, I know people that, that change jobs often because they just can't find uh, that sweet spot, if you will, at a particular place of employment. But I think for the most part, most people struggle with that word called vision and I like to bring it to an individual level my ultimate presentation tonight will be to the to a church level but I want to introduce this just a few comments to individual people here tonight and I I, I, I wish everyone would would lend me both ears as my fifth grade school teacher used to say frequently several times a day listen up and put both feet on the floor um, I think this is probably one of the most important presentations you can hear outside of the gospel itself and that is where you are in life and what are you going to do with the rest of it <clears throat> applies to all ages I believe it was Mark Twain that said the two most important days in your life is the day you were born and the day you find out why. And uh, I concur with that statement. But I read a statement today that says success doesn't come. Everybody listen and absorb this. I wrote this late. It won't be on the screen. Success doesn't come from what you do occasionally. Success comes from what you do consistently. And uh, consistency is such an important part of every facet of, of our life, particularly when it comes to our relationship with God. I also want to make this statement tonight. Um, I don't want to be too pointed in this comment, but um, I will ask you tonight, if you would, to pay attention to what's being said from the pulpit if you have somebody sitting close to you that you need to talk to, if you could put that conversation on hold for uh, the next 35, 40 minutes, I would appreciate it. I'm saying that from the standpoint that the Wednesday night before Christmas, Brother Jason taught an incredible Bible lesson about the shepherds and their relationship with the birth of Christ. And I just took advantage, I very rarely do it, but I just took advantage and walked down and joined Sister Murph. And uh, I don't know who it was. I didn't turn around and I didn't turn around and look, but there were a couple of people sitting behind me that talked to each other the entire time. Brother Jason was teaching. 
had missed completely what he had to say, and it was a, a terrible distraction for those sitting around me and including me to try to hear what he was saying. So if you have a conversation you need to have with somebody tonight, um, if you could wait about 40 minutes, and as soon as Bible study's over, y'all can talk until your heart is content. I'm not trying to be ugly here tonight. I'm just I'm trying to be very kind. But I would like for everyone here tonight to hear what I believe God wants us to hear tonight. <clears throat> I want to make another comment before I get to my presentation that um, that I want to present to you tonight. I taught a couple a series. I, I taught them in my office actually during Sunday school on Sunday morning and uh, some fantastic material and bottom line the material asked the question where do you want to be five years from now? I'm going to ask everybody that question here tonight. Where would you like to be five years from today? What would you like to be doing five years from now, and I'm saying that totally within the context of the kingdom of God and the will of God. So if, if you even know that answer, if you don't know that, um, I think it's a question you should start answering. You should ponder and think about it. But if you do know where you'd like to be five years from now, what are you doing right now to make that happen? And, and this material applies to every facet of our life. I'm going to especially present it to our church, our, our church body, to the individual people here that attend Grace Church because um, we need to renew and restore our vision here at Grace Church. And I'm going to give you some thoughts on how to do that uh, here tonight. Uh, are you confident here tonight, everybody that's here, do you, are you confident tonight that you that you know what the will of God is for your life. If you do, are you, are you doing it? And if you feel like there's a place closer to God, uh, that your life can be better in your relationship with God, do you know what that is and what are you doing to prepare for it? I don't believe tomorrow is a good time to start preparing. I believe yesterday is. That's how I look at vision. And we can't go back to yesterday, but I can do everything I want about today. And uh, I believe this is where we need to start. So from the word of God tonight, I read a verse all of you know. You can probably quote it by heart. Proverbs 29, 18 said, where there is no vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. Where there is no vision, where there's no thinking about the future, where there's no preparation for the future. Uh, I, I want to bring this even closer to home. If you, if you have parents here uh, tonight that, that are not serving God, and you would like to have them serving God, you'd like to have them beside you in church. If you have a spouse that's not serving God, and you'd like to have them beside you in church, what are you doing? What do you do to contribute to that event happening? Do you have a, a picture, a literal mental photograph in your mind of what it would look like 
to have your spouse or your parents or your children, whoever it may be, sitting beside you in church. Can you visualize that? Can you see them sitting next to you with their hands raised? They're worshiping God. They're praising God, etc. Can you picture that? If you can, then what are you doing? What can you do to contribute to making that a possibility? People will take sometimes the defensive and say, well, I've tried everything I know to do. I want to add a, a level to that, a dimension to that in this scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I believe if we can pray sincerely, even though we've tried everything we know to do to reach our family, to get our spouse, our kids, our parents, whoever it may be, back in, in church with us, is it possible that God may have something else that we can do, that we've not exhausted all of the possibilities. I say that because I've learned through the years that circumstances in people's lives are changing nearly every day. And where somebody may not have been interested in coming to church with you six months ago, circumstances in their life may have changed that they might be interested in coming if they were invited again. So if you would, lend me your ear for the next few moments tonight. I want to talk to you about the pursuit of vision, the pursuit of vision. According to Strong's Concordance, vision, sight, is could be a dream. It could be a revelation that something opens up in your mind and you see something that you've never seen before. It could be an oracle. This is what happened to Elisha's serpent servant in 2 Kings. I'll go through the story very quickly. The king of Syria was incredibly frustrated because he wanted to overpower and overtake the nation of Israel. And every time they came up with a plan, a military plan, it seemed like Israel was prepared for it. They knew exactly what the Syrian army was going to do. And the king got frustrated and said, we need to find out what's going on here. We have a spy among us that is telling Israel all of our military plans and somebody spoke up and said no they have a prophet among them and their God reveals to him everything we're doing as a matter of fact king Elisha's God could be revealing to him everything you're saying in your bedchamber there's nothing you can do there's not a secret there's nothing you can do that will hide what we're planning from Elisha's God and from Elisha. And so he decided, the king decided, well, let's go after this prophet named Elisha and we will capture him and it will end this uh, falling of all of our military plans. And so when the Syrians surrounded the small area where Elisha and his servant was, uh, the servant just picked his head up and it dawned on him that they were surrounded by the Syrian army chariots, uh, everything you could imagine, all the military that they could bring, they brought to capture this prophet. So he ran 
very alarmed to Elisha and said, we're surrounded by the Syrian army. And Elisha took him outside and prayed. God opened his eyes. You know the story. And when God opened his eyes, he saw a whole nother dimension, a whole nother level. What he saw was a game changer. What he saw lit him up because he saw the hillside, the mountains, the sky filled with the army of God, with the angels of God all around them. It didn't matter anymore what the Syrians was doing. He got a vision. His mind opened to something he had never seen before, something he had never considered before, something that perhaps he didn't even think was possible. And they ultimately concluded, Elisha and the servant included, that concluded that there are more that be with us than those that be with them. There's a host of people here tonight, including myself, that should know from experience in times past that God is never overwhelmed. God is never intimidated. God is never afraid. God is never on guard because he don't not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. We've all been through so many circumstances throughout our life that we should know that as long as our faith is firmly placed in God, we're going to be okay. But we still struggle sometimes with seeing that. We believe it, but sometimes it's hard to see. And that 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 transition from believing something to seeing it, to seeing its possibility. Regardless of how impossible it may seem, if we could cross that threshold from just believing what God said to seeing the fulfillment of what God said, that's a game changer. We know that Elisha had learned a lesson his servant learned a lesson, and it's one that we must learn, that in every hour of peril and of apparent defeat, the soul that trusts in God is still surrounded. If he has but his, if he has but eyes to see, it goes beyond just believing. This is, this is where people can believe in a dream, but people see visions. People see it. They see a, a picture of it. They see a video clip of it in their mind, if you will. It's a, a living picture, moving, living, breathing in their heart, in their mind. This is vision. And when you see that, it's much easier to construct a path on how to get from where you are to what you're seeing in your mind's eye. I want to remind you that when... We first came to this church 30 years ago. The church was in Bakers. You all know we had about 12 people. And uh, we'd been there a few months, and our sweet brother Alexander asked me one time, what did you see when you pulled up into the parking lot of this church for the very first time? The building was in bad shape. We've been through that story many times. I assured him that is not what I saw. I saw a very large, thriving church, and he made his uh, very common statement. He said oftentimes, he's like, oh, come on, man. I did. 
the, 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 what, the, the what I saw in the parking lot that day in, in Baker was not the end of my dream. It was not the fulfillment of my desire. It was only the beginning of it. I didn't come here to just maintain the status quo. I had something else in my mind that I was seeing. My heart was beating at a different, in a different place in a different way. It took a long time for those, that handful of people to understand that this church can grow and it can do amazing and mighty things for God. It took a long time to get that picture painted in their head, that, that film developed in their head. But when they got it, they jumped on board and we filled that little building up several times, the parking lot several times until God brought us to this place. It's something, it's a vision, it's something you have to see. It's not just a, a dream that's aloof and far away. All right, you get the point. Let me move on. We need and must have vision on a kingdom level, church level, and personal level. We all have an incredible opportunity. All of us here tonight has an incredible opportunity to be better, to do more, to give more, to contribute more. Not just, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about time and talent and energy and passion. We all have a little bit more. I don't know of anybody here tonight that's peaked out. There's things that all of us can still bring to the table, but it's necessary to see it, to understand it. And once you see it, then you make preparation to achieve it. So what is vision? What is a vision? Duke Ellington, the late jazz musician, composer, and renowned band leader, was once asked to provide a definition of rhythm. He said, if you got it, you don't need any definition. But if you don't have it, ain't no definition going to help you. I know somebody, I saw this person just several weeks ago. I've known them since I was a child. If I called their name, a lot of you would know this person. But I don't care what song you sing in church. It could be the slowest song we sing or the fastest song we sing. The hands always win at the same beat for every song. Amazing grace or I'll fly away, oh glory. Just It didn't matter. The beat was the same, the same. So if you have rhythm, you understand it. But if you don't have it, I have a brother. He knows it. He'll tell you himself. He couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And he'll sing with all of his might. And it's awful. And he has always, all of his life, run under the umbrella that it's just a joyful noise to the Lord. Vision, thankfully, is not quite as elusive as rhythm. However, I believe Ellington's definition can be adapted slightly to help us understand one reality regarding vision. Once you have it, you know it. But when you don't have it, you're not sure what it will be like. And I want to add to that, once you have it, it will burn on the inside. It'll keep you up at night. It'll wake you up early in the morning. 
You'll think about it when you're eating lunch. It'll, you'll think about it when you're with your spouse. When you're engaged in family time, it comes back to mind that vision you have in your head of, oh, how can I do that? And I think I can do this a little better, and I can do this a little. Things that just drop in to your head. So let me, def let me define for you the concept of vision, or at least my concept of vision. You might define vision as foresight with hindsight. Excuse me, let me start over. Got my tang tangled up. You might define vision as foresight with insight based on hindsight. This definition underscores the importance of looking to the future emphasizing the significance of possessing a keen awareness of current circumstances and possibilities. And it also notes that it's important, it's valuable to learn from the past. But I believe this definition of vision is somewhat imprecise. One church leader said that he believed vision was seeing the invisible and making it visible. Someone else said suggesting that his working definition was vision is an informed bridge from the present to the future. Still, someone else said sanctified dreams is what the term meant to him. People have said vision is the art of seeing things invisible. One man said a number of years ago that a rock pile ceases to be a rock pile the moment a single man contemplates it bearing within him the image of a cathedral. Webster says vision is something that is seen, unusual competence in discernment or perception, intelligent foresight, a man of vision, the manner in which one sees or conceives a thing, a mental image produced by the imagination, a mystical experience of seeing as if with eyes of the supernatural, such as God's direction. But I have my own definition tonight, and it's what I would like for all of you, at least for a few moments, to agree with me on, and perhaps even embrace it. To me, vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future, imparted by God to His chosen servants, and is based upon an accurate understanding of God, an understanding of yourself, and an understanding of your circumstances. So for the next few moments tonight, I want us to consider the components of this definition. Again, vision is a clear mental image. A clear mental image. Vision is a picture held in your mind's eye of the way things could or should be in the days ahead. I want to comfort somebody here tonight that has been visionary in times past, but there's, there's been events, there's been circumstances, there's perhaps been an inaccurate understanding of God and the will of God and has caused you to want to give up. I want to encourage somebody here tonight not to do just yet. Because I believe when there is a will of God for your life, 
God will put a, a starting point for the development of that plan to begin and to be constructed in your life. He will empower you to do that regardless of what your events, circumstances, and so on may be. Vision begins, in my opinion, with a clear mental image of where you've been, where you are, and where you would like to be. Vision implies meaning. Vision is a visual reality. It's a portrait of conditions that do not currently exist. Vision is a portrait of realities which do not currently exist. Let me explain. If I don't finish all of this tonight, don't panic. We'll pick it up next Wednesday night, Lord willing. When this building was, was being constructed in the late 90s, my in-laws lived in the house right back here. My mother-in-law still lives back here. We sat on their back porch drinking coffee and watching them build this building. I walked through this building when it was under construction. I met the pastor of, this, of the church that was here at the time. He was working on this platform. Fast forward a few years. When the building was finished, I don't know how it happened, but they became a voting precinct. And it just so happened with where we live, where we lived at the time, we would vote here. We did all of our voting here for a number of years. And every time we would come, listen to Pastor, every time Sister Murphy and I would come, she'll tell you, we would vote right back there in what is now classroom two. We would just walk through the sanctuary. They had these lights on the side of the wall. They were lit up, just a low light in here, a little bit of light on the platform. And she and I would walk through here and dream that one day we would have a building like this one. And I got a vision in my head for that. And when we were going to build on Blackwater Road before this came available, I had already had building plans very similar to this one that I was wanting to reconstruct this church plus another building that I was, uh, that I was very partial to on Blackwater Road. And God stopped all of that because he knew he had this building for us. But I had a clear mental image of a church building that I was in pursuit of. It had to do with the size of our congregation. And it had to be big enough that we could grow a whole lot more when we got it. It wasn't if we got it. It was when we got it. And that's the way I felt about it. And when Pastor Parsons asked me in what is now our church office right through that wall right over there. He said, I hear y'all going to build a building on Blackwater, want to build? I said, yeah, that's our plan. And he said, would y'all be interested in buying this building? I didn't have to ponder that question. I already had this going on in my heart for the past several years. This started with me back in the late 90s when they were building the thing. That God could help us do the same thing not really realizing this specifically, that it would be this exact building. But this was burning in my heart for years. My problem, my difficulty, and it's where some of you are here tonight, you just don't see how it can happen. Now, we had about 60 people at the time. 
when I had that conversation with him, when we began renting this building from them, he said, would y'all like to buy it? And I said, yes, we would. How much are you asking for it? And when he said $2.1 million, I said, let me get with my trustee board, and I'll get back with you in a couple of weeks. Brother Merrill was here. He'll tell you that was the conversation. I didn't walk out here trembling and nervous. I knew it was the will of God, and somehow it was going to happen. It took longer than I thought and longer than I wanted, but it ultimately happened. This is what I'm talking about with a clear mental image of something you desire. It is not achieved by visiting that mental image occasionally, but you visit it consistently. And you make it a part of your life. You make it a part of your desire. You make it a part of who you are. This is what I want to become. This is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to be in the kingdom of God. And if you stay with it, it doesn't matter how insurmountable it may be now. If you stay with it, if it's the will of God, it will happen. It doesn't matter what else happens in your life or doesn't happen for that matter. I don't know, I may not get past this point right here, and it's okay. I'm not done with it yet. I want to address our, our young people. Most of them are off doing, got the JV class, and I think Sandy Ryan recruits most of them. It started out with two. Now I think she's got about 15 or 20 up there or something like that. I'm kidding. But I want to ask you young people, listen, I'm very serious about this. Allison, what, you're 18? Where would you like to be five years from now? Braylon? 16? 17? How much? 15? Where would you like to be when you're 20? Don't wait till you're 20. Don't wait till you're 23 to start deciding. You get on your face before God and say, God, this is what I'd like to be. If that differs from what you want me to be, then show me what you want me to be, and I'll start making preparation right now. Have y'all ever thought that y'all might be the next youth pastor here? Why not? I asked a man sitting in my office that Sunday morning when I was teaching him, where would you like to be five years from now? I asked him, I said, what kind of car would you like to own five years from now? And he said, a Mustang GT, and his wife just died laughing. I didn't think it was funny. And I looked at her, and I told her, I don't think that's funny. And why do you think it's funny? She said, because he'll never own a Mustang GT. I said, with that attitude, he never will. But why don't you get on board with him? Why don't you encourage him to do well at his job? Don't go run by one today or tomorrow. But work hard and save some money. And if that's what he wants and y'all can afford it, let him go buy one. Let him buy you one while he's at it. Why can't you achieve these things? And I want to ask everybody here tonight, if there's something boiling on the inside, I'm not talking about something worldly, something sinful. I'm not talking about something stupid. I'm talking about things that God would approve of in your life. If you want a better marriage... Let me ask you this question. No matter how long you've been married, Sister Murph and I just very ably jog very healthily 
past year 47, this past November. Going on 50 years. If you want your marriage to be better, if you want your kids to be better, what are you going to start doing right now to make that happen? What kind of marriage would you like to have in five years? What would, your, what would you like for your kids to be like in five years? I'm not, I'm not being hypothetical here today. I believe you can re- establish a relationship with God. God does oftentimes give you the desires of your heart as long as it centers around his will and purpose for your life. And if you'll do what God wants you to do and be what God wants you to be, then there's no telling what God can bring to pass. But if you keep flirting with the world and flirting with sin and all that kind of stuff, then nothing of this will happen and you'll end up frustrated and confused and nothing ever works out for me. And I've heard that story over and over and over. What is imperative for us folks is to have a clear mental Where would you like to be right in two years from now if the Lord carries? What would you like for your relationship with God to be like two years from now? Would you like for your vision tonight for yourself to include in the next two years, I want to win five people to God? If that's the case, then you start today planning, working, preparing for that eventuality to happen. Some of you remember the lady I met at a restaurant at Wingstop a couple of months ago. Uh, it was a night Sister Murphy did her bread presentation in the, in the Ace Center. And almost prayed the lady through the Holy Ghost right there in Wingstop. I'm not exaggerating. She was weeping and crying. She asked me to pray for her. I didn't even know her name. She brought it up when I walked in the door. She said, every time you and your wife come and y'all come with other people, uh, it it, it has to be from your church. And I've told y'all that story. I reconnected with her today. I haven't seen her all throughout the Christmas holidays. And all of you know, and you can laugh if you want. But I go to Wingstop pretty frequently. That's one of my favorite places to go. And um, But now I'm going with more purpose. Laugh if you want. Go ahead. Everybody just laugh and get it over with. You know you want to. But I have more purpose now and going. And I reconnected with Tony today, and she said, Do you have a business card? I misplaced the one you gave me. And she said, Now tell me exactly where your church is at. I'm still clinging to the fact that she's going to walk in the door to one of these services. And where she repented that night at Wingstop, uh, sobbing and crying and, and asking God to forgive me because I haven't given you enough money and I haven't given you enough time. She said all of those things. She repented. Forgive me for the bad things I've done. I have a mental image in my head when I, when I left today and, and, and talking to her for a while. I just developed a mental image on the way home. I wonder where she would sit. Um, I have it in my mind. She'd probably come in three or four words down the, the center aisle and sit left or right. She'll be right there. And uh, we're going to be preaching, teaching, whatever it is. And that night I'll open the altars or that service, whatever it is. We're going to have an altar service and I'm going to give Tony an opportunity to come give her heart to God, whatever it takes. But I've got a mental image in my head of what's going to happen with that woman when she comes to the house of God. I've already got it in my head. And ultimately, I will pray her through to the Holy Ghost, either back there or up here. It doesn't matter. But before she leaves, she's going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to accept anything less than that. Oh my, I'm, I've got a long ways to go and the clock isn't waiting on me. But eventually we who have vision 
will have to paint that mental portrait for others if we wish the vision to materialize in our church. And I just shared with you that story about Tony. And, 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 and I'm confident she'll be here. Eventually she's coming. Eventually she'll come. Um, you do the same. You meet people. And when you witness to them and walk away, don't write it off and don't forget about it. But try to figure out a way to follow up and to go back to that person and say, hey, um, you know, still like to, to meet with you. I even offered to, to meet with Tony one day when you're off, Tony. I'll come back to Wingstop. I'll buy you lunch. And we'll sit down and have lunch together. How's that? And I'm still trying to make that happen. I've got all these pictures in my mind of everything I can do to try to win her confidence, to get her to come to the house of God. This is a clear mental image. It's how it works. If you don't like where your life is right now, especially in your relationship with God, develop a clear mental image of what you would like for it to be. Kelly, I would like to share your story. I haven't asked for permission, but as always, forgiveness is sometimes easier than permission. She is an outstanding Sunday school teacher and has been for the past several years. Her and Rachel do a phenomenal job together. And um, she hosted a, a Christmas party for her class. She teaches junior high age. And um, her and Rachel hosted their, their Sunday school class Christmas party at, their house, at, at Kelly's house. Uh, back in December, 1st of December. And when that was winding down, she reminded me of how much she appreciated being asked to do that job. Because at that time, she really didn't picture herself in that role. But now that she's done it, that has developed in the process of her just saying, yes, I'll do it. But now that she's been in there and she's experienced it and she's gone through several, a number of students has come through her class, come through, promoted up to the next, to the next class there in high school class now. Um, but now that she's doing it, now she has an image in her head of what that is. And it's brought to her so much fulfillment and, and so much satisfaction that I'm genuinely contributing to how many? Uh, 15, 20 kids every Sunday morning contributing to them, pouring myself into them. Her and Rachel are doing the same thing. They're doing an amazing job. This is a clear mental image. I don't know how else to explain this more clearly. But folks, if you want to be a, an assessor, if you want to be someone who can travail, get a mental image of what that would look like in your head. If you want to be a soul winner, if you want to work in the production booth, if you want to be a part of the praise team, if you want to be a Sunday school teacher, get a mental image. Just don't say no to it right off the bat. Hey, uh, God, you've been talking to me about doing this or that. You've been talking to me about doing this thing or that thing, but quit fighting it all. I did that in ministry for 10 years. I knew God had called me to preach, and I, I, I ran away from it for 10 years. He called me when I was 15. I didn't go to ministry when I was 25. I wasted 10 years when I could have been legitimately contributed to the kingdom of God, and I wasted that time. One of the greatest moments I had in my life, it was that second day that Mark Twain talked about. The day I was born, and then that second day was why. And it was to follow the call of the Spirit of God and to do what God wanted me to do.
I fought it and fought it and fought it, but the greatest load lifted off of me, the greatest sense of fulfillment came to me when I said yes. And there's people here tonight, if you'll just say yes to an idea, if you could just say yes to a thought, just entertain the thought that I'll work in the nursery, I'll work in the production booth, I'll, I'll teach that Bible study. Somebody told me recently that, said, I finally feel like, just dealing with a lot of personal issues, I feel like I'm finally ready to just step out and teach that Bible study, and, I, and I'm terrified, so I've been, I've been practicing with my family. It's a wonderful idea. It's a great idea. Do y'all remember Garrett that stood here Sunday morning? He's 13 and stood in front of this church and had his PowerPoint slides and the whole thing and methodically went through under the time frame that we gave him to use up. Three to four minutes, Garrett, that's all you get. He did it perfectly, he presented. Why? Because he practiced that and practiced that and practiced that and practiced that. I gave him a responsibility. I gave him a task. He didn't just walk up here Sunday morning and say that. He's been prepared for this now for well over a month, I suppose, in practice. It's, it's simple. We just have to get over our fear, our inhibition, our saying, I've never done this before. I'll never forget, and I'm, I'm closing. I'll, I'll pick this up next Wednesday night. I'm not nearly done with it. But I wanted to spend a lot of time on a clear mental image. I remember several years ago when Sister Murph and I called Mike and Sheila Landry just randomly one afternoon and said, are y'all free for a minute? We'd like to come by your house and talk to you. And we, they said, sure, come on by. Of course they did. And we went by and uh, we explained, exchanged pleasantries and what have you. And I asked her, would she consider working in our church office? She burst into tears and said, Mike and I have been praying for something. She's worked part-time for a number of years, and that job didn't work out, and she was looking for something else. And plus, working at the church is something she always wanted to do. She told me, I want you all to listen, about what I'm, to listen to what I'm about to say. She told me after she had been working in the office, I think it had been around a year, we, we met one day to talk about church business, and she said, I have something I want to tell you. She said, I'd have never dreamed in all of my life that I would have a job like this at any church. And I want to tell you, Sister Landry is absolutely phenomenal at her job. She does a, I think y'all need to give her some appreciation. She does an amazing job. But with, with tears streaming down her face, she said, I'd have never dreamed that I'd ever be asked work in a position like this now she's been what three four years I guess six wow time flies see that time flies when you're having fun my thing was this how long has that potential and that promise been in her before it was ever tapped how many years could she have been doing a church job along this line but was never asked how many years had she been looked over makes my heart hurt to think of it that way that's why here at Grace Church we pursue as hard as we can without being high pressure but it 
you would like to be involved in something, we have a little process to go through, but if you want to do it, uh, we'll make that happen to the best of our ability. So there may be people here that we may ask you to consider doing something here in the near future. Just put yourself in that place where you say, God, I'm willing to do anything, anytime that you want me to do. Open the door and I'll go through it. As Brother Jason preached Sunday morning, we all have a key in our pocket. And I will promise you in Revelation chapter 3, the door that Jesus knocked on at the church of Laodicea, he didn't build that door. They did. And they didn't do a very good job opening that door. If we'll open our door to him, he'll give us all the access to the kingdom things that he wants us to do and he'll make it happen. There has to be willingness, good attitude, good spirit. But get a clear mental image. Again, I'm not nearly done with this. Just, just got the first paragraph. We'll come back with a preferable future next Wednesday night. So I want us to stand tonight as we conclude this. I'm planning, Lord willing, to preach this coming Sunday morning along very similar lines. Do you see what I see? Along similar lines. And I'd like for us to spend a moment tonight in, in prayer. Um, I'll tell you what, as a matter of fact, we, we have a few minutes, if you don't mind. I'd like for everybody to just come around the, the front. Maybe somebody can put some appropriate music playing in the back. I just, just come stand around the front. And I'd just like for us to spend just a few minutes praying tonight that God make me, make me available. God, help me to be available. God, make me a tool, make me an instrument, make me pliable. God, help me not to be resistant and so quick to say no. God, help me to surrender, help me to give in, to throw up the proverbial white flag and just say, okay, God, your, your will be done, not mine. Grace Church is in, a, is in a tremendous place. I believe we're in a better place right now than we've been since COVID hit. Uh, it's taken a lot of long, it's taken longer than I thought, it's taken a lot of hard work, but our young people are running on all eight cylinders. Uh, our kids are doing amazing. Parents are doing amazing. But I want us to take that next level, and it's just simply called grow. Uh, to fill this building up, if we need to go to two services, we will. Again, I have that mental image. How are we going to do it? I don't know, but we'll do it. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it work. God always makes a way. He always makes a way. So tonight, would you just, can we join hearts? We join just a good spirit with one another, good attitude with one another. Would you just lift your hands heavenward and just say, God, here am I. God, I need to be used. God, I want to be used. God, I want to be a part. God, I want you to draw me in to your plan, to your kingdom. God, I want you to draw me into your purpose. I want to know the will of God. God, I pray tonight for this amazing church, this wonderful, wonderful group of people. I pray, God, tonight that you would draw us all together is, is a great big family to impact your kingdom this year more than we ever have in the past that you would direct our thoughts that you would direct our minds that you would direct our hearts God that somehow we could understand what our purpose is we could understand our value 
that we can understand that we do have a reason for being here. And it's not just to go through the motions and, and the ordinary and the normal, but we're making an impact every time we come. We're making an impact. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. The hope gets bigger. The promise gets bigger. And I pray, God, tonight that you would talk to everybody here tonight, that we all have a purpose. There's something that all of us can do. There's something that all of us can bring to the table. There's, there's reason. There's justification for making the effort, for making the sacrifice to be what you want us to be. I pray in Jesus' name that we would engage your presence, that we would engage your will. God, that we would engage the vision, that we'd get a clear mental image of what we can do, not only as a church, but as an individual, to say, God, here I am, and this is what I've desired for a long time, and I'm going to throw myself into it. I'm not going to look to the right nor to the left, but I'm going to keep a focus on what it is you want me to do, and I'm going to pursue that every day, every day, every day, every day. I'm not going to visit this occasionally, but I'm going to visit this consistently. It's going to be a part of my fast day. It's going to be a part of my prayer time. It's going to be in my mind when I read my Bible. It's going to be a part of my life. It's going to become who I am. I want to introduce my family to it. I want to introduce my spouse to it. I want to introduce my kids to it, that we're going to do more for the kingdom. And we're going to be more specific in what we do for the kingdom because I have a clear mental image of what it is that God wants out of me. God, I pray for our Sunday school teachers here tonight. I pray for our worship team, our singers, musicians, our production staff, our lobby staff. I pray, God, for everybody here tonight that that is involved in this church on some level, God, that you would raise us up to be even more, that you would raise us up to be even more. Empower this church, oh God. Empower this church, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to applaud our JV team. I walked in one of our Sunday school classes Sunday morning, taking advantage of that opportunity before our class resumes this coming Sunday. Saw two of our young ladies in there getting ready to teach the Bible lesson. Um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they were, they were, I don't know what all they had. It looked like costumes or something to me. They were putting everything they had into it. I applaud that. I applaud that. I applaud that. They're everywhere. Everywhere you go, all over the building, they're everywhere. And they're working. They're doing. We have them in the production booth right now. We have them on the platform playing instruments on Sunday morning. They're everywhere. And I thank God for that. But I believe we can still do more. There's still people here tonight that can step up a little bit more and say, God, here I am. Use me. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. I love Grace Church. I love all of you. Thank you for being here. God bless you tonight. Greet one another. Greet our guests. Be sure to greet our guests. Love on them before they leave. God bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, Sunday morning.